Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, There will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars, and on earth nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these signs begin to happen, stand erect and raise your heads because your redemption is at hand. Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. And that day catch you by surprise like a trap. For that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. It's so good to be together for uh, this first Sunday of Advent. It's hard to believe that we're already first Sunday of Advent. Here we are, got the UFO wreath of glory above us. I think it's the best Advent wreath in all the diocese. It's probably the biggest. I love it. All right. I love this liturgical season. I love this time of year so much. I love the hymns that we have. I love the liturgies. I love the prayers. I think violet's my best color. I just, I really love, I love Advent a whole lot. So, What I want to do this morning is, uh, as we embark on this Advent journey, what I want to do is I want to try and orient our hearts so that we can make the most out of these days ahead of us, this four-week Advent journey, so that this isn't just another Advent, right? This isn't just another Advent, that it's not just another season, so that another Christmas goes, comes and goes, and and we're the same, because I mean... That's just kind of how most of us experience this time of year, right? That like we go through these days, we prepare the way we normally prepare, and then Christmas comes, and then it's, de- it's December 26, and we're happening in the new year, and just nothing's really different. It's just been one thing after another. So I, I want us to, uh, as best we can, try and do something a little bit different. So I want to orient our hearts uh, with the end in mind, right? I think that's the most logical thing to do, right? To orient our hearts with the end in mind. So where is all of this headed, this Advent journey? Where is this headed that in a few weeks from now we'll be gathered here, 4, 6, 30, 10, whatever the Christmas Day masses are. There's a lot of them. You'll be here. It'll be a packed house, right? And we'll be listening again from Luke's gospel, the evangelist, right? Luke, who will be inviting us to contemplate the most unbelievable thing that has ever been seriously believed by the vast majority of humanity. 
The problem is we're just so familiar with it. We're so familiar with it. The incarnation is the most astounding thing that has ever been believed by most of humanity. That at a certain point, the power, right, the force, the the unimaginable God beyond and behind creation, the author of creation, entered into creation. He stepped into creation. Creator created. The one who hung the stars was lying beneath the stars. What in the world? Like God, the God, right? God from God, life from tr- life, the true God from true God was born of a woman under the law to free and ransom us captive under the powers of Satan, sin, and hell, right? That's what we're singing, that entrance hymn we just sang. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that we were stuck, helpless, behind enemy lines, and yet the Lord put on the armor of human frailty and fought a battle he didn't have to fight to rescue people who had spurned him, scorned him, were in open rebellion against him. That's what he did. That's what was happening that night, that God became flesh, right, and dwelt among us. It was God who was born, God who was lying in a manger, God who was hungry, God who was nursing at the breast, God who was adored by Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, that in that tiny, frail, helpless boy, that baby swaddled, what you witness there is the marriage, think of it this way, the marriage of humanity to divinity. I want you to play along with me. Everyone go like this. This is divinity. Get your hands up here. Play along. Come on. There you go. Thank you. This is divinity and this is humanity. And the problem of original sin is that we were once like this and now we got spread apart like this. Okay? So in Jesus, these two, go with me, come together. These two come together. Come together. Now stay like this for the rest of Mass. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Humanity and divinity are wedded together, joined together in an unimaginable way. But here's the thing. What began, what we witnessed that night, right, Christmas night, what happened that night didn't begin that night, right? It's just the fulfillment of what happened nine months previous, March 25th, right? The Annunciation, that that's really when humanity and divinity were wedded together. That's when heaven kissed, as it were, a single immaculate ovum in Mary's virginal womb. That's where Humanity and divinity were wedded together. Right there, in that moment, the Annunciation, when she said, yes, be it done unto me according to thy word, heaven and earth were wedded together. Her womb, the church fathers described it as the mystical wedding chamber where things of heaven are wedded to things of earth, where they come together. So why am I talking about all this? Why am I talking about all this wedding business, this marriage of heaven and earth business? What does it have to do with Advent or the readings that we have for this weekend. Nothing, I just, no, I'm just kidding. It has everything to do with it. Everything, absolutely everything. Everything that Advent is about, everything that our faith is proposing to us, everything that's unfolding in, this, in these readings has everything to do with wedding, marriage, spousal imagery because, all right, let's just zoom back out for a second. Let's go to the big picture. Like, what is the deepest desire, the deepest longing in God's heart for you and I? It's not simply that we would become good. It's not simply that we would be well-behaved. It's not simply that we would get to heaven, whatever that actually means. The deepest desire in the Lord's heart, if I could put it this way, is to marry us. I know that's a lot. Stay with me. The deepest desire in the Lord's heart is to unite himself to us. 
It begins in our baptism. That's what happens in those waters. God uniting his nature to our nature, and it's furthered all throughout the course of our Christian discipleship and the sacraments, right? Every time you receive the Eucharist, every time you receive absolution, all the sacraments, humanity and divinity are further being welded together in our souls. God taking more and more territory in our nature. Humanity and divinity coming together. And it's all brought to fulfillment. It's all heading towards what the Bible calls the marriage of the Lamb. Right? That's what you'll hear me say at a moment here when I hold up the Eucharist. I say, behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. The supper of the Lamb is a reference to the book of Revelation. Right? Where you've heard me say before, book of Revelation, what we glimpse there is heaven. And what you're glimpsing there is the wedding feast. The marriage, the union of God and humanity. It's astounding. It's absolutely astounding. This is what the whole Bible is about. This is what God is straining to communicate throughout all of Revelation. The Bible begins with the marriage of a couple in an earthly paradise. And the Bible ends with the marriage of Christ the Lamb and the church in the heavenly paradise. Right? The Bible is communicating this conspiracy of love in God's heart. He's trying to tell us that from the beginning, his desire is to unite himself to us. To fill our hearts with the fullness of mercy, the fullness of goodness, the fullness of beauty, the fullness of everything that we're looking for. Every time you long for anything, you're looking for God. St. Augustine put, put it this way one time. He said, God, you are all that which I desire. You are everything that I desire. And he wants to fill our hearts with himself. Right? And look, look at Mary. This is not just a pipe dream. This is not just like theological you know, musings. This actually happened, right? This happened in Mary. Look at what happened to her when she allowed Christ to draw near to her, when she, when she said yes to Advent. When Mary said yes to Advent, to his coming, to his arrival, that's what the word Advent means, right? Adventus in Latin meaning a, to, to approach the coming, the arrival, right? When she said yes to Advent, it wasn't just a season. It was gestation. It was pregnancy. It was being filled with God. It was letting the word in, letting the word get so close, right? The coming of man, the coming of God to man, like whether it's God's first Advent in the incarnation or Christ's advents upon the altar of our churches all throughout history, or the advent of Christ into your life, or the advent of Christ in the second coming, all of these advents, the approach of God towards man, what he's communicating all of this is that I'm not going to hurt you. You let me draw close, I'm going to magnify you. What does she say at the Annunciation? My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul illuminates my soul is filled like the burning bush on fire but not consumed right this is what we're glimpsing in this gospel that we just heard and it might not seem like it this gospel seems very doom and gloom right second coming right sun stars moon people are terrified what's going on with this we get the impression that this is something to be feared but again consider who it is that we're talking about who is the one who is coming again he is love and mercy itself. That's who is coming back. The bridegroom is returning. This is not like, the, the second coming is not like the passion two, right? Where Jesus is like, I'm back and I'm coming to get my revenge, right? 
Caiaphas, where are you, right? Like, that's not what the second coming is. This is the bridegroom coming to take humanity, his bride to himself, that the betrothal that began at the Last Supper and the betrothal that exists throughout all of Christian history will be finally brought to fulfillment when the bridegroom returns to take the bride to himself and enter heaven and the wedding feast begins for all eternity. I don't know about you, but like, I'm interested in that. Anybody else? Is that just me? All right, okay, good. I didn't see a lot of hands. That makes me a little bit... <laughs> Are your fingers still stuck together? <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Fear not the one who's returning. Fear not the one who's returning. Fear rather your capacity to say no to him. That's what the terror, all of the terror in this gospel is about. The people who will be filled with fright, there's going to be people dying of fright. Why? Because all throughout the course of their lifetime, they've been saying no to him. No, I don't want you. No, I don't want to let you in. No, I don't want anything that you have to give me. If we, say, if we constantly say no to the bridegroom, and if our destiny is the marriage feast, then when, we are, when, we, when the door is closed and we are locked on the outside, it will be a terrifying moment. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Remember, there's a one moment in the gospel where Jesus remarks about his second coming. And he says this. He says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the hearts of men? Like, you can almost hear a certain sadness in Jesus' voice. Like, when I come back, will I find faith? He's not simply talking about people who intellectually assent to a certain, you know, to certain truths. That's not what he's talking about. Because like faith in the biblical sense of the word, faith is openness. Faith is the bride's openness to the gift of the bridegroom. Faith is the depth of your heart laid open, cracked open to Jesus who wants to get in there. Faith is openness, trust, vulnerability to the gift of God. She's saying, like, when I return, when the Son of Man returns, will I find the bride? Will I find humanity? Will I, will I find you, right, with your heart open and longing for him? Or will you find our hearts closed off, hearts that have become drowsy, hearts that have become, other translations say, numb or anesthetized? That's what we do all the time, especially this season of the year, right? We anesthetize, we numb our hearts I think that right there, I think that is the great invitation, the great challenge of these days. And I mean, the great challenge of the entire spiritual life. We get so accustomed to numbing our hearts in this fallen world, right? Because we don't want to feel what's going on in there. There's a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, a lot of hurt memories. Gosh, I've been a priest, I mean, not a long time, but a long enough time to know that like, there is not a person alive who doesn't carry a story that if, man, if you saw it from the inside out, you would weep. Every single one of us. Like Christ, what he wants to do, what he longs to do, is he longs to engage our hearts, to enter our hearts, to bless our hearts, to fulfill our hearts. You know what I mean when I say like our hearts? I'm talking about like you. I'm talking about like your particularity. I'm talking about your story, your struggles, the deepest part of you where you are alone with you, the stuff that you don't let other people see, the stuff that you bury. I'm talking about like the big things, the little things, the things that you're carrying, the things that you're thinking about, the things that you're worrying about, planning for. Like 
you. (laughs) Christ wants to get into that. He's not just simply interested in training you like a dog to do religious, pious tricks. He wants into your heart, like the encounter, right? The encounter between, do with me again, join with me. Thank you. The encounter between heaven and earth, this reality where Jesus touches us here, that encounter happens in our hearts. It is in your heart where God wants to get close. It's where he wants to snuggle. One of my favorite lines in all of uh, Faustina's diary, Jesus said to her, tell all sinners that the deepest desire of my sacred heart is that they would snuggle close to me. I love that our God says snuggle. (laughs) I really love that. He wants to get into every nook and cranny of your story. This is how you and I This is how you and I subjectively experience what the Bible calls the marriage of the Lamb. This is how we experience the union of heaven and earth. It's what heaven will be like. God united to me and me united to God. And look, this is, we either begin this journey now of letting God get super close to every part of our lives now in this life, or if we do it imperfectly in this life, then we're going to have it fulfilled in purgatory. But like either way, either way, like that's the mission. Like that's the desire that God wants to get close to and touch every part of your life. Every part. No parts excluded. He wants in there. He wants in there. He wants in there. And that can be scary but he's saying, trust me, trust me. I just want to invite us this next four weeks, right? This is where we're headed. We're headed towards the manger where we're going to glimpse the marriage of heaven and earth. That's not a fact of the past. It's a thing that wants to happen, that God wants to have unfold in our lives. Christmas happens somewhere. It happens, it's meant to happen in you. The incarnation is meant to continue to happen in you. God wants to get close to you. And what we can't do if we want to experience this mercy, experience this beauty, what we mustn't do is we mustn't hook our hearts up to like the frenetic IV morphine drip of the culture. Like right now, like we have gone straight from Halloween to Christmas in the world, right? Everyone is already celebrating Christmas. Let's not do that. Let's not rush to that place. Let's not make these days about preparing for a holiday. Because your life is not about preparing for a holiday. Your life is about preparing for the union with the bridegroom. Because there's going to come a moment where we're going to breathe our last. And we'll stand before him. We'll stand there. And Jesus asks the question, Will you have the strength to stand before the Son of Man? You will only if you begin doing it now. To open your heart, to share your heart, to be in the habit of letting the Lord in, to talk to him about what's in there. So let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit who is the Lord and giver of life, who is light himself, to shine a light. Holy Spirit, we beg you to shine the light of truth into our hearts.
that we would have the humility and the courage to open our hearts all the way to the love of Jesus, that we would be the manger where he dwells, that we would be the resting place where he abides, that we would have the courage like Mary to open, to receive, to let you in, Lord. Amen.